Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week, our podcast features an episode of Sherlock Holmes called The Copper Beaches. It first aired on October 6th, 1940. Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, starring Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce. The makers of Bromo Quinine Cold Tablets bring you another adventure of Sherlock Holmes with Basil Rathbone as Sherlock Holmes and Nigel Bruce as Dr. Watson. This program is presented every week at this same time, and a complete story is dramatized each time. Coals are already here, ladies and gentlemen. Be on your guard. Be careful. The so-called common cold may be the start of more serious illness. At the first sign of a cold, take famous bromoquinine tablets. Bromoquinine tablets act promptly and decisively to relieve the discomforts of a cold. They help reduce the fever of a cold. They give you the results you want in the time you want. Yes, at the very first sign of a cold, let it be bromoquinine cold tablets. Now here we are once more in the cheerful, firelit study of the famous Dr. Watson, who's relating his delightful Sherlock Holmes adventure. Good evening, Doctor. You look a bit irritated, if you'll pardon my saying. Good evening, Mr. Manning. Good evening. Yes, I am a bit annoyed, and with good reason. I don't know if I've told you that Holmes has been listening in to these reminiscences. Well, here's the letter I received from him after last week's story. Read it. My dear Watson, I noticed that in your last broadcast, you gave way to your regrettable habit of emotionalizing your story. Detection, my dear fellow, is or ought to be an exact science. To tinge it with romanticism is like introducing a love story into the fifth proposition of Euclid. As ever, Sherlock Holmes. Well, what do you think of that? But the emotion was there. You couldn't tamper with the truth. Holmes has always maintained that the truth is not in what you say, but in the impression you create in the other person's mind. (laughs) Well, Holmes always complained that I overstressed the the human element in recording his cases. How well I remember the attitude with which he received the publishing of my first book about his adventure. It was a cold morning... In early spring, we were sitting on either side of a cheery fire in our rooms in Baker Street. A thick fog rolled down between the dun-colored houses. Our gas was lit. It shone on the white cloth and glimmered on the coffee cups and on the silver. The breakfast table had not yet been cleared away. Holmes had been silent all the morning, smoking his long cherrywood pipe, which usually displaced his favorite clay when he was in a disputatious mood. Altogether, he was not in the best of tempers. Matches, matches. Where are the matches? Look at that confounded fog. What happens to all the matches in this house, I'd like to know. My dear Holmes, why not use the tongs and a live coal if you want to relight your pipe? Huh? Oh! I burned myself. Ah. For heaven's sake, Holmes, stop spluttering. Something's annoying you. Why not get it off your chest? 
It's that confounded book of yours. What? Sensationalism, Watson. Rank sensationalism. You're always placing the emphasis on the crime. Crime is common, logic is rare. You should stress the logic. You have degraded what should have been a course of lectures into a series of tales. Now, really, Holmes, that's not logical. You're always complaining that crime is falling off. You say there are no first-class criminals left. Quite. And therefore, if you depend on the crime to hold your readers, you will soon be a back number. Criminals. Bah! They've lost all their enterprise and originality. My practice seems to be degenerating into an agency for recovering lost lead pencils and giving good advice to young ladies from boarding schools. Advice to the love lord, eh? Well, look at this. This note. It came by the board, this morning's post. Here. The last straw. That's what it is. Read it. Let's have a look. Dear Mr. Holmes, I'm very anxious to consult you as to whether I should or I should not accept a situation which has been offered me as a governess. Well, never did. <laughs> I shall call at half past ten tomorrow if I do not inconvenience you. Yours faithfully, Violet Hunter. Well, it's, it's almost eleven now. Exactly. She's late. Just like a woman. Uh, I say, Holmes, this must be your young lady now, walking briskly up the street. Let me see. Hmm. Brisk, purposeful manner. Nice, bright, intelligent face. Yes, it is. She's stopping at our door. Well, there may be something in this case after all, my dear Watson. It is not the uh, hysterical sort that makes a fuss over nothing. Shh. Here she is. Come in. How do you do? This is Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Quite. And uh, this is my colleague, Dr. Watson. How do you do? How do you do? I trust you'll excuse my troubling you, Mr. Holmes, but I've had a very strange experience. And as I have no relations of any sort to advise me, I thought I'd best come to you. I shall be very happy to do anything that I can. Well, I... I... I've been a governess for five years in the family of Colonel Spence Monroe. He's been transferred to Nova Scotia so that for the last few months I've been without a situation. Why, I advertised and answered advertisements, but without success. You see, the money I had saved began to run out, and I was at my wit's end. Indeed, indeed. Well, go on. Well, yesterday I called in at a well-known employment agency run by a Miss Stoker. When I arrived, the outer office was filled with young ladies looking for situations. I, I was told to wait. But I did so, and after about half an hour, my name was called out. Well, the door to Miss Stoper's private office was ajar. Seated beside her was a prodigiously stout man with a round, smiling face and a heavy chin. Oh, his, his eyes were like two little slits. Well, I advanced to the door, my knees trembling. Oh, Mr. Holmes, if you know how I needed that work. Come in, my dear. Come in. Mr. Rucastle. This is Miss... Uh, oh, what is your name, my dear? Miss Hunter. Violet Hunter. Oh, yes. Miss Hunter. Oh, capital, capital. I couldn't ask for anything better. I'm sure you'll do, Miss Hunter. Well, I, I hope so, Mr. Rucastle. You're looking for a situation as a governess? Yes, sir. And, and what, you, what salaries you are? Well, I, I had four pounds a month in my last place. Four pounds? Sweating. Rank sweating. How anyone could have the audacity to offer that to a lady with such attractions, such accomplishments. A lady fitted for the rearing of a child who may someday play a considerable part in the history of his country. Oh, your salary with me, madam, would commence at 100 pounds a year. A hundred... Oh, Mr. Rucastle, oh, And furthermore, it is my custom to advance my young ladies half their salary beforehand. May, 
May I ask where you live, Mr. Rukata? Hampshire, the charming rural spot. Oh. The Copper Beaches is the name of the place. Five miles north of Winchester. Oh, the dearest old house. And and what would be my duty? One child. A dear little romper, age six. Oh, if you could see him killing cockroaches with a slipper. Smack, smack, smack. He's gone before you could wink. <laughs> my yeah, my yeah. sole duty, then, is to take care of this... This child. Well, I, I, I'm sure your good sense would suggest that you obey any little commands which my wife might give, provided, of course, that they were such as a lady might obey with propriety. Uh, you see no difficulty, eh? Oh, I should be happy to make myself useful. Oh, by the way, in dress, for example, we're fatty people. Fatty but kind-hearted. Now, now, if you were asked to wear a particular dress that we might give you, 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 you wouldn't object to our little whim. Why, no. <laughs> or to sit here or there, that wouldn't be offensive to you. Why, why not? Or to cut your hair short before you come to us. My, my hair? Oh, yes, yes, it's quite essential. It's a little fancy of my wife's, you see. And ladies' fancies, my dear Miss Hunter, must be consulted. But my, my, my hair... Oh, no, I, no, I couldn't. No, oh, oh, what a pity. Well, in that case, Miss Stoper, I'd best inspect a few more of your young ladies. Good day, then, Miss Hunter. I'm afraid you must consider yourself struck from our list. Oh, but... You can hardly expect us to exert ourselves to find another such opening for you. But, Miss Stoper... Good day, Miss Hunter. Oh, oh, just a minute, Miss Stoper. Uh, Let's not be too hard on the young lady. After all, my request was a little sudden. Uh, Perhaps, Miss Hunter, you'd like 24 hours in which to consider the matter. Uh, And in view of the fact that you have particularly beautiful hair, uh, I might be willing to raise the salary to 120 pounds a year uh, to recompense you for our little eccentricities, yes. Unusual, most unusual, my dear Miss Hunter. Uh, what do you make of it, Watson? Well, perhaps the gentleman's wife is a lunatic and he wishes to humour her offences in order to prevent an, an outbreak. Possibly, Watson, possibly. Yes, like in any it. case, it doesn't seem a nice household for a young lady. But the money, Mr. Holmes, the money and I need it, so. Well, yes, the pay is good. Too good. Why should they give you 120 pounds when they can have their pick for 40? There must be some strong reason. But I have no choice. Then uh, you've made up your mind to accept? Yes, I must. I thought if I told you the circumstances, you would understand afterwards if, if I wanted your help. Oh, Mr. Holmes, I should feel so much stronger if I knew you were behind me. Well, certainly you may carry that feeling away with you. And if at any time you should find yourself in danger... Danger? Well, what danger could there be? My dear Miss Hunter, it would cease to be a danger if we could define it. But remember, at any time, day or night... Just telegraph me, and we'll come to your help. Oh, sure, Thank you, Mr. Holmes. Thank you. I say, Holmes, huh? it's been almost a week since that charming Miss Hunter called. Conditions must be pretty good at the Copper Beaches, or, or we'd have heard from her. You never know, Watson. You never know. She may not be able to get to a telegraph office. Nonsense, Holmes. Nothing very dreadful can happen out in the open country like that. That's where you're wrong, Watson. It's my experience that the vilest alleys in London do not present a more dreadful record of sin than does this smiling, beautiful countryside. Holmes, you you mean the creeps? What do you mean? The pressure of public opinion is greatest in the towns. There is no lane so vile that the scream of a tortured child or the thud of a drunkard's blow does not beget sympathy and assistance from the neighbors. But the countryside, my dear Watson, 
filled with its lonely houses. Think of the hellish cruelty, the hidden wickedness. Why, it may go on year in, year out in such places, and no one the wiser. Had our young friend gone to Winchester, I should not have had this uh, fear for her safety. It's the five miles of country which makes the danger. Uh, see where that is, Watson. Thank you, Mr. Hutton. It's a telegram for you, Holmes. Oh, give it to me. It's from Miss Hunter. Oh, what's she say? Come at once. We'll meet you at the Black Swan Hotel, Winchester, at three this afternoon. And at my wits' end, don't fail me. What do you suppose has happened? Hurry, Watson. We've no time to lose. There's a train from Waterloo Station in half an hour. If we can only get to her in time. Just a moment, we will follow Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson on their strange journey. Ladies and gentlemen, be careful of the so-called common cold. It may quickly turn into something else. Act quickly, act prudently. At the first sign of a cold, take bromoquinine tablets. Bromoquinine tablets promptly relieve the distress of a cold. They help reduce the fever of a cold. Bromoquinine tablets are effective for two very good reasons. First... They're made especially for the relief of a cold symptom. Specialized medication, in other words. Second, they work internally. They get out of cold's discomforts from the inside, which is the way you want. Be businesslike in your treatment of a cold mystery. Take a businesslike preparation. Bromoquinine tablets. You can get these famous tablets at any drugstore in America, a few cents a box. Be sure you ask for Bromo, B-R-O-M-O, quinine, Q-U-I-N-I-N-E. Bromoquinine cold tablet. Ah, yes, there's the black swan. Opposite the station. Yes, and if I'm not mistaken, that's Mrs. Uh, that is Miss Hunter waiting for us on the doorstep. She looks a bit pale and. And shaky, eh, Holmes? Yes. Poor girl is obviously frightened. Mr. Holmes, so kind of you to come. You too, Dr. Watson. Oh, not at all. Thank you. I can't tell you. I can't tell you how anxious I've been. There, there, there. Now, Miss Hunter, perhaps if we go inside, they can give us a private sitting room. Yes, Mr. Holmes. I've ordered tea this way. Ah, yes, that's better. Nice, cozy fire. Uh, Close the door, will you, Watson? That's right. Now then, suppose we let the doctor do the pouring while you tell the story. First of all, um, how do you like your tea? Uh, two lumps and a little cream. Oh, right, oh. Thank you, Dr. Watson. Yes, and uh, now? Well, well, first of all, I've had no no actual ill treatment from Mr. and Mrs. Rucastle, but things, things that frighten me. However, I had best begin at the beginning. Yes, that is generally a good place to start. Well, Mr. Holmes... Copper Beaches is a large, sinister-looking house, almost completely surrounded by woods. It, it impressed me from the moment of my arrival. I was met at the door by Mr. Rucastle and his wife. And, uh, is she... No, no, no. She's not mad. I see. She's a small, pale-faced woman, much younger than Mr. Rucastle. In fact, I gather that she's his second wife. You see, there was a daughter by the first marriage. A girl now over 20, but she's not living at the house. 
Mr. Rucastle said that she couldn't get along with her stepmother, so he sent her to America, to Philadelphia. And does Mrs. Rucastle strike you as a difficult woman to get along with? Oh, no, Mr. Holmes. She's shy and rather quiet. More than once I surprised her in tears. At first I thought it might be worry over the disposition of her child. What's the matter with his disposition? Well, he's he's badly spoiled. He has an ungovernable temper and seems to take great delight in torturing birds and small animals. Pleasant little beast. And the rest of the household? Well, there's only one servant. Toller is his name. A rough, uncouth man with a perpetual smell of drink about him. Why they keep him, I don't know. Except perhaps because he's the only one who can manage Carlo. Carlo? Yes. Carlo's a huge, underfed mastiff that's kept chained in the stable during the day, but at night they let him out. Oh, he's a terrible beast. Even Mr. Rucastle is afraid of him. I'm sure he'd tear any tractor for the bit. Hmm. I wonder why Mr. Rucastle desires such ferocious protection. I'm sure I don't know unless... Unless there's something on the top floor of the West Wing that he wants to protect. The West Wing, eh? Yes, the door that leads into it is opposite my room, and it's kept securely locked. Well, it looks nasty to me, huh? Uh, please, Watson, please, don't interrupt. Well, the second day after my arrival, immediately after breakfast, Mr. Rootsaffel asked me to put on a dress which had been laid out for me on my bed. Uh, what was it like? Well, it wasn't a new dress, Mr. Holmes, but the material was excellent and of a particularly brilliant shade, an electric blue. Oh, electric blue, charming color. <laughs> I put it on and went down to the living room. Mr. Lucas had placed a chair for me by the front window. He asked me to sit there with my back to the window and to read to him from a French novel. Well, I read for an hour, and at the end of that time, he said I might go upstairs and change. Hmm, strange. And this experience has been repeated every morning since then. Well, as time passed, I became more and more curious. Why were they so careful to keep my face turned away from the window? Naturally, I was consumed with the desire to see what was going on behind my back. So today I devised a means. I noticed at breakfast that Mr. Rucastle had had quite a few drinks. A happy thought seized me. My hand mirror had been broken, so I concealed a piece of it in my handkerchief and later in my book, feeling sure that Mr. Rucastle was too drunk to notice. Holding the book up, I was able to see everything behind me. And what did you see? Well, at first there was nothing. At the second glance, however, I saw a young man in a gray suit leaning against a railing which bordered our field. He was looking earnestly in my direction. Mr. Rucastle must have noticed my surprise, for he burst out angrily. Really, Miss Hunter, your attention must be wandering. That's the second time that you've read that passage. Oh. Furthermore, there's an impertinent fellow up the road who keeps staring at you. Is he a friend of yours? Oh, no, Mr. Rucastle. I don't know anyone around here. Well, kindly turn around and motion him to go away. Oh, wouldn't it be better not to notice him? Do what I tell you. I really don't encourage you to have any followers. Oh, very well, Mr. Rucastle. Where? Impertinent fellow. That will be all for this morning, Miss Hunter. You may go to your room. Oh, but, Mr. Rucastle, I hope you don't... Go to your room, I say. Yes, sir. And after this, you needn't bother to wear that blue dress. Oh, dear, what a frightful household. Oh, if I could only get away from here, it's all so depressing. What? Well, he'd left the key in the door to the west wing. He must be drunk. I wonder what's inside Oh, it wouldn't hurt to take just one look. Oh, a 
dark it is and empty. Wait. Three doors. Well, the middle one is barred with the end of an old iron bedstead. I wonder why. Oh, goodness, it's spooky in here. <gasps> what was that? Oh, it must have been a bat. Someone's in there. Or maybe it's something. I can't stand it. It's too eerie. I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out. Oh, dear, there comes Mr. Rucastle up the stairs. Oh, Mr. Rucastle. Mr. Rucastle. It was you, then. I thought it must be when I saw the door open. Oh, I'm so frightened. Oh, my dear young lady, and what frightened you? Well, I was foolish enough to go into that vacant wing, but it was so lonely and eerie, and, and a bat swooped down into my face. Is that all? Well, what else could there be? Why do you suppose that I keep that door locked? I'm sure I don't know. It's to keep people out who have no business there, you see. I'm sure if I'd known it. Well, you know now, my dear young lady. And if you ever put your foot over that threshold again, I'll throw you to the basket. <laughs> what a dreadful experience. Mr. Holmes, I feel sure there's someone locked in that room. Someone who's unhappy, perhaps tortured. Oh, good heavens, it's almost five. I promised to be back by six. Mr. and Mrs. Rucastle are going out. If Mr. Rucastle should discover where I've been... You've acted like a brave and sensible girl, Miss Hunter. Yes, indeed you have. Do you think you could do one more thing? I can try, Mr. Holmes. Dr. Watson and I will be at the Copper Beaches by seven. The Rucastles will be gone by that time, and I don't imagine the Mastiff will be let loose until they return. Oh, no, Mr. Holmes. It would be too dangerous for them to get back to the house. Good. We will hope that Tola is still drunk. At any rate, you must get us into the house. We must explore the West Wing. I'll do my best, Mr. Holmes. Now I must hurry. Goodbye, gentlemen. Goodbye. Goodbye, Mr. Holmes. Well, my dear Holmes, what do you make of it all? The blue dress and the man in front of the house. Obviously, they've had someone, uh, had her impersonating someone. Someone young whose hair has been cut off during an illness. That someone is probably the person imprisoned in the West Wing. Sinister. That is not the most sinister part of Miss Hunter's story. No? What is that? The unpleasant disposition of the child. Well, what's that got to do with it? My dear Watson, as a medical man, you know that a child's tendencies can be discovered by a study of the parents. But heredity as a science could be worked backwards as well. You can get a good insight into the character of the parents by studying the children. This child is cruel. Abnormally cruel. He probably inherits it from one of his parents. I only hope nothing serious happens before 7 o'clock tonight. Hunter, waiting for us in the doorway. The coast must be clear. Oh, come in, come in. You must be soaked to the skin. Oh, you're rather wet yourself. You need to be careful, you know. You'll be catching us in part. What's that pounding? It's Tola. He was just going out to release the dog. I sent him to the wine cellar, then locked him in. Splendid. I managed to get Tola's keys this afternoon, too. He was quite drunk. They are duplicates of Mr. Rucastle. Better and better, but come along upstairs. We've no time to waste. Have you got your revolver handy, Watson? Yes. Good. Good heavens, uh, that lightning must have hit quite near here. 
One of the copper beaches, no doubt. Now, which key? Oh, this one. Mm-hmm. That's right. <sighs> Nothing here. Come along. Listen to that rain on the roof. The middle door, you said. Hello in there. Ah, no answer. I don't like that. Watson, help me remove this bedstead, will you? That's right. All right, hide it one side. Here, cut the rope. That's it. The door's locked. Oh, we must break it open then. Come on. One, two. Hello. There's no one here. That villain Rue Castles has made away with the prisoner. You may be right. She's probably been carried off. Yes, but how? Through the skylight. It's still open. Shut that table over here. What are you going to do? Stand on it, of course. Yes, yes. Two pairs of footprints and there's a ladder resting against the eaves. So that's how he did it. But that's not possible. The ladder wasn't there when the Rue Castles went away. Then he must have come back. He's a dangerous and clever man. Listen. Yes. I think I hear his steps on the stairs. Oh, Mr. Holmes, you'll kill us all. I thought I'd find you here. You villain, what have you done with your daughter? I'm the one that should ask that. You thieves, you robbers. I've caught you. You're in my power. I'll fix you. Hello. Hello. I'll fix you. He's going to get the dog. We'll be torn to shreds. Quick, Watson. We must close the front door. Let me up. Let me up. Mr. Rukas loose the door. He'll kill Mr. Rukas. Quick, quick, quick! It'll be too late! Hold on! Get up the keys, Miss Watson. Let him out. All right. It's baby! Oh, it's Carlo! He's got Mr. Rucastle by the throat! Quick, Watson, give me your revolver! Careful you don't hit the man by mistake! Shut up and stand back, Watson! Oh, Mr. Holmes, thank heaven. You killed Carlo. I thought it was too late. It's so horrible. I think I feel... Uh, Watson, Watson and Cola, uh, bring Rue Castle into the house, will you? Oh, I feel so strange weak. I can't stop no, crying. No, 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 please, please, it's all over. Just you go upstairs and pack your bag. Dr. Watson and I are going to take you back to town with us on the nine o'clock train. think, Watson, that uh, Rue Castle will live? I'm afraid so, Holmes. Oh, I'm so glad to get away from that dreadful place. I say, Holmes, just what did happen to the prisoner in the West Wing, and, and who was it? It's all so disgusting, this simple, my dear Watson. It's Rue Castle's daughter, as I suspected. It seems that she had inherited some money from her mother, who was Rue Castle's first wife. When she threatened to get married and take a small fortune with her, her father tried to get her to sign a paper giving the money to him. He worried her until she got brain fever and had to have all her hair cut off. Oh, what a, what a brute. I got all these details from Tiller. Still, her young man stuck to her and she to him. After that, Mr. Lucastle locked his daughter up and brought Miss Hunter down from London in order to impersonate her, to get rid of the persistent suitor. This young gentleman, however, was a persevering chap and having greased Tola's palm very thoroughly, he learned the true state of affairs. With the help of Tola and a long stepladder, he rescued his fiancée. 
They are now headed for Southampton with a special license, and this time Miss Hoocastle, or rather Mrs. Fowler, is really going to America on our honeymoon. Oh, it is very quite romantic, isn't it, Holmes? Ah, you and your romance, Watson. You're a regular old woman. Well, I'm glad we were able to help the poor thing, but I wouldn't go back to that house again. Not for twice the salary. Oh, um, that reminds me, Miss Hunter. I was talking to a friend of mine about you the other day. She has a private school in Walsall. I believe she said she had an opening for you. Oh, Mr. Holmes, you're, you're a darling. Oh, no, my dear, it's quite inconsequential. Oh, really, no, shut up, Watson. Well, Dr. Watson, you certainly had some exciting times when you were living with Sherlock Holmes. I certainly did, Mr. Manning. Those were the days. Tell me, no, never a dull moment. Yes, when I think of the thrilling experiences that, that Holmes brought into my life, I can almost forgive him for being so, so deucedly critical. And now, ladies and gentlemen, before Dr. Watson tells us what next week's adventure will be, here's what to do when you feel any sign of a cold. Here's what to do for prompt relief. Go right to your druggist and say a package of bromoquinine tablets, please. Start taking the tablets right away, according to the directions on every box. You'll be surprised with the prompt action of bromoquinine tablets. You'll be amazed with the way they relieve a cold's discomfort. You'll get results such as to delight and reassure you. You'll say, here indeed is a dependable preparation well worthy of its fame. Don't leave your radio tonight without making a mental note that any sign or suspicion of a cold, you're going to take bromoquinine tablets. You'll probably have more than one occasion to be grateful for the resolution. Remember, Bromo, B-R-O-M-O, quinine, Q-U-I-N-I-N-E, Bromo Quinine Cold Tablet. Now, Dr. Watson, what about next week, sir? Well, next week, we shall hear about a noble bachelor who finally married and whose, uh, whose wife disappeared between the wedding and the bridal breakfast. So this bachelor had a wife, eh? Even Holmes will have trouble explaining that. Not at all, Mr. Manning. Not at all. You'll hear all about it next week. And the most peculiar story it is, too. You have been listening to a Sherlock Holmes adventure adapted from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's story, The Copper Beaches, starring Basil Rathbone as Sherlock Holmes and Nigel Bruce as Dr. Watson. The dramatization was by Edith Miser. This program is presented from Hollywood every week at this same time by the makers of Bromo Quinine Cold Tablets. Quick relief for colds. This is Knox Manning speaking. This is the National Broadcasting Company. The Great Detective, The Pipe, The Magnifying Glass, The Deerstalker Cap, and Dr. Watson. They're all here in this radio program. For fans of the classic consulting detective created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, this show is a must-have. It ran from 1930 to 1955 and ran in reruns and in England into the 1960s. Dr. Watson introduces each episode as if he had just invited you over for a few drinks. Or in a delightfully crass commercial ploy, he would invite you over for George Washington Coffee, the sponsor of the show. The story of Sherlock Holmes on the radio cannot be told without talking about Edith Meiser. She pitched the idea of Holmes as a radio program to all the networks and was turned down. Then she arranged an advertising deal with George Washington Coffee. Now NBC listened. Meiser wrote the series until the late 1940s. At first she adapted stories directly from Doyle's work, but when she ran out of original material, she wrote her own. 
Several actors played the roles of Holmes and Watson over the years. The most famous pair were Basil Rathbone as Holmes and Nigel Bruce as Watson. They played the roles from 1939 to 1946. This is the same pair of actors who had great success with the Sherlock Holmes movies of the same time period. How often have I said to you that when you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.